You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. <laughs> Back at it once again. Yes, we are. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Land of Legacy podcast, late night, late night podcast. Um, with be, returning guests. With returning guests because it's it's the season for the late night podcast. It's, yes, it is. Oh, uh, well, you know, we were hunting today. We weren't hunting that day. Um, and I guess I should say that um, it's been so great that this guy's been so gracious to come on the podcast as almost a pre- pretty much a regular here this fall. Um you know, you and I have been very busy with things outside of hunting in our life, and uh, it's nice to talk to somebody who's been grinding out and has <laughs> has been very successful. So, uh, Mr. Greg Glessinger, thanks for coming back on. Always good, fellas, especially this time of year. You know, this is when it's go time. Not but, right now, though, with this warm front coming through, but um, this is what we all live for is late October and, you know, early and mid-November. You know, you, you said it right. Even though it's warm, 
if you can't be out hunting or you choose not to be out hunting, why not sit back and talk about it late at night? So <laughs> if you can't be out there, this is a good a good second uh, runner-up, I guess. I'll say it's a, it's a little bit frustrating because I think a lot of us, if we were pinned in a corner and you were to say, what's your favorite, mm-hmm. give me the 10 days, that's your favorite 10 days of the year. And I would say the last three of October and the first seven of November. Like that, that's the 10 day, or I guess it would be the first six of, cause I, well, yeah, whatever math is not there, but, um, that would be the last three days of October and the first, the first seven of, of November. That's my favorite 10 days of the year. And it's a little bit irritating when it's hot and you're like, ah, it's the best one, but I don't even out there because I don't want to burn my days. Mm-hmm. And so burn days or burn spots. Yeah. I know we'll talk about that you know, deeper in the podcast, but, you know, Greg, what, what is it you guys have been seeing? You, you, you tagged early in Iowa. Um, so, so you're in a different state now. Kind of talk, talk to us about the past, um, couple of weeks and what you guys have been seeing, what your plan of attack has been. You know, we've been really chasing that, those cold fronts and, and we had a really good opportunity. Um, it was the, what, twenty. 27 or 28th 29th and 30th we really had some good weather days and uh casey was uh lucky enough to tag out missouri actually on his largest missouri buck to date uh he went 154 and change almost Mm. 155 uh with a with a with a bow kill which was outstanding over a decoy um and that was purely on on weather and once that 30th, you know, came and went, uh, the warm weather started coming, coming through the Midwest. And then we hunted on the first and it was, it was dead. I mean, dead. And then we hunted on the, on the second and it was no better. And I called the wife and I looked at the forecast and said, I'm coming home. She said, um, because you miss me so much and of course i said sure i do you bet i do i'm coming home (laughs) so you know truth be said it was because we have this massive warmth front coming through and even though you know we all live for this time of the year um uh, we talk about all the time weather trumps moon and when it's warm like this the rut's still going to happen deer will be deer but it's going to happen you know at night or, you know, really early in the morning and when it's outside of daylight hours and there's nothing we can do about it. And if you still want to go hunting more power to you, but all you're going to do is burn your spots up. Um, uh, and that's what Casey and I discussed, even though it was really hard for us to pull stakes and come home and make some deposits at home and get stuff done locally. Um, it's the right thing to do and go back when the weather, you know, shifts, which is that front is looking like it's going to hit Monday or Tuesday, um, you know, depending on when this front's going to come through, but, um, and we're going to go back at it and we're just trying to keep our spots fresh and not burn them up. So when the weather does turn, um, you know, they're going to be, we're going to go down to spots that haven't been burned up and everything else. So to give us the highest probability of being successful and to top it all off with, technology that we have that a lot of people are taking advantage of is cell cameras um you know our cell cameras since this warm front has come through these last you know three or four days um our decision to come home was spot on because our cameras are literally dead i mean it's a dead sea Hmm. 
So, and I think you guys were feeling the same thing when we were talking before this, we started recording is your guys' cameras are dead as well. Absolutely. So, I mean, if, if we're getting movement, it is restricted to maybe the first like half hour of daylight and then the last half hour. It's, it's very, um, very restricted and, and not, not great odds for what you'd want to be seeing November. I mean, this is, this is the, the week where you're like hoping, hey, do I, do I sit all day? Like, are, are deer going to be moving all day long with the weather? Um, are they going to be chasing? Like, what is it going to be? And, and and quite frankly, it's just it's not that at all. And similar to you, Adam and I, we do we hunt Monday? No, no. Chad and I hunted Monday morning, and that's been it. No, yeah. was it Monday? Yeah, it was Monday. But that's been it. And we may go later in the week, and it and it hurts a little bit to say that, but. Again, quite frankly, with each day of the calendar, uh, you look at you cross off the X's in the calendar, and yeah. you're like, "I didn't go today. Yep. Oh, I didn't go yesterday. Oh, look at that. I didn't go three or four days in a row." And you're just like, it drives you nuts. But at the same time, you know when the weather finally breaks, you're going in to hunt fresh stands in an unpressured farm. Uh, totally, that's totally. right. And and if and if you have a vacation and and you're like, you know what, I scheduled these days. And I can't change them. There's a lot of people in those mm-hmm. positions, and I, and, yeah. and I get that, and I understand that. If I were those type of people that can't move days and go back to your boss or your employer and say, hey, I want to push these days back five or six or seven days, I would only hunt mornings. Why? Yeah. Because it's cool. It's cooling off to the point in the evening that you may catch the first hour or 45 minutes of, of light when they're still moving, but that's about all you're going to get. Um, so I would not waste your time in the afternoon. If anything, what Casey and I did is we started working on our late season, uh, planning, Mm. which today was part of it. Uh, we moved some sets around before we left in Missouri for Mm -hmm. gun season, moved some new spots around based on Intel. And we started working today on a spot in, in Wisconsin, um, for late season that won't really be beneficial for us until, you know, mid to late December, uh, and our season closes here in Dane County, that is, uh, January 31st. And so we're working on those sets today when it was, uh, I think it reached 70 or 71 today. Unreal. Um, wow. so I'm like, you know, we can't be hunting, but we're sure thinking about it and we're sure setting ourselves up for success when the weather does turn. So hmm. we're making those adjustments now. So sitting them out and, uh, giving us the high probability that when the weather does turn, we're going to be, you know, in the chips, hopefully, and put ourselves in the best possibility of chance of harvesting then. So we guys just, it just kind of, we were lucky enough to have the Octobers of all Octobers. As far as I've been hunting, I don't ever recall having an October like that, that we just finished out with, with weather. And now we're going through the first, you know, handful of days of november and it's starting out to be the worst november that i could ever remember um so i guess we can't have our cake in 82 i guess i I guess that's what's shaping up to be so so when the weather does kind of break through right when this next cold front comes through what is it that you guys are going to be focusing in on when it comes to stand selection? I know, you know, trail cameras with, with kind of the in-the-moment intel that we can grab from cellular cameras now, that that helps to determine a lot. But but ideally, where is that set up at? Well, you know, 
uh, you know, to be candid, honest, we're, we're running, you know, 80, 85 cameras. Um, and so depending on the year is going to dictate where we go. Yeah. I mean, the cameras are, are a key factor. You know, we're, we're, we're chasing five-year-old deer and older and wherever he's living is where we're going to go or where we're, where the probability of his, uh, you know, highest, uh, potential of showing up if he's bouncing between two or three plots and 70 percent he's on this one and 10 percent on this one and 20 percent on the other one well we're going to go where he's hitting at 70 percent of the time so mm-hmm. you know we're we're really it's all about the most recent information this time of year because when these deer are moving as much as they are in this time of of the rut and who know if, if you get a deer that's on camera and he's one of your hit listers, or you get a bonus buck that just shows up and he's, and you checked your camera and he's in there, uh, you drop everything and you go back to that particular, if it's in a timber or a food plot, whatever it may be, you stay on him until he's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you never know if a doe's going to pull him off or he's got to, you know, changes his mood and he's going somewhere else. Just because right now these deer are moving so much that if you can catch one and you know, he's there, that's why we really, if, if, if someone was to tell me where I'm going to hunt, uh, you know, two days from now, I, I would probably narrow it down to three plots, but it's, it's going to be based on us pulling cameras and ships to say, Hey, it's, it's no different than when we killed the 194 in Missouri last year. Mm-hmm. We pulled the chip, uh, that afternoon or the day before I can't recall. It's been a year now. And, um, I'm like, he's here, he's local. We, we got to chase him. And then we saw him that day. I think we pulled a chip at noon or something or it was, or it was the day before. I can't remember, but it was within a 24 hour period. And I was like, all right, we, we got to hunt this guy. He's here. He hasn't been here. He just showed up. And then lo and behold, you know, we tipped him over. So we're constantly either glassing from afar or pulling cameras. And those cameras will dictate where we, what, what set we're going to go into. Do, do you find that, Let's say uh, transitional plots typically are way better this time of year than some maybe larger destination plots. Is that is that typically what you're seeing on cameras lighting up? Um, or is it, is yeah. it highly variable? I mean, we, one, one of our favorite spots we call Big Cedar, and that's exactly what it is. It's a transition zone. Matter of fact, that's where Casey killed his 154 uh, with mm. his bow on October 30th. Was That's one of our... Well, it, it is our best spot for transition. There's there's no better spot than that one. And it's a, it's at a bottom of, of, we'll call it the X in the farm, where there's a bunch of valleys that come together, and they're constantly moving through there. Um, this time of year, it is a magical spot. It's one of those spots at this time of year, if we're going to go down there, because it's so deep in the farm, we're most likely going to go for an all-day sit. Okay, because, sure. Because you just don't know, you know, that 10 that 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., uh, it's a high probability that something's going to cruise that cruise through there if the weather's right, right? If it's 72 sure. degrees, probably not. Um, but if it's, you know, high of mid-50s, low-50s, absolutely, we're probably going to sit there all day because it's that's a spot that uh, has proven itself, you know, year in, year out, that deer are constantly going through there. How many... Now, go ahead. How many days do you... Th- do you think in a year that you're like today's today's an all dayer? I know that that depends on the 
the weather right. But yeah. on average, how many how many all day sits do you do you find yourself typically doing? You know, it, we don't do a lot of all day sits mm-hmm. unless they're difficult spots to get to. Sure. Meaning, what, 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 when we penetrate the farm like Big Cedar, uh, we got to penetrate uh, in there to get there. Uh, Major League, when we shot him in 2017, was in uh, we call it the Pretty Woods section. We have to penetrate into the woods. Um, when we do those things, we do all day sets, and that could happen anywhere from the call it the 25th of October through the 12th of November. Okay. Um, in that window, if we're going to do those type of setups, we're going to sit all day. If we're if we're hunting edges and food plots and destination plots, then we're not going to do an all day situation. It just doesn't make sense. Sure. So it's based on the location of if we're going to go in and sit all day. Yep. Yep. You know, if you're in a hunting, a hunting a rut funnel, you know, absolutely. I would get in there, you know, 45 minutes to an hour before daybreak, and I wouldn't leave 45 minutes or an hour after after dark. Those type of setups is where you need to be all day. If you had a perfect rut weather, like, and say rut weather as in getting, not, not the pre-rut, but getting closer to, let's say, this kind of lockdown type phase, Mid-November, 12th, 13th, 14th. Cold's good. Everyone knows that, right? Good cold fronts, decent winds. But, like, kind of describe that perfect day where you will see generally the most amount of movement. What is it ideally you're looking for? I love, you know, typically in that Missouri, Iowa, in the the true Midwest, you know, when it's really, call it low 50s for a high and – plus or minus 32 to 35 for a low or 28 degrees for a low, that seems to be a really good rut weather. When it's in those those conditions, it seems to be really optimal for deer movement. Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. I and, think and, of the times when, you know, like even last year, temps got down in the teens. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. have you seen the weather? It's supposed to get real cold. But it's almost like it's such a shock to their system that – they don't even move a lot, and it sure is not as much fun for us out there at, from 12 no. to 32. I'd rather sit at 32 yeah. as the low. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe it's 25 degrees. I'm not going to argue over, you know, five or six degrees. But And then, you know, we didn't talk about the wind speed. You yeah, know, I, that plays a big, I, big factor. Yeah, some, some, some people like the low wind speed. I, I really don't because when you have, call it, you know, less than five miles an hour seems to be the breaking point where you have it. There's a high probability of swirling or mm-hmm. wind shifting. Mm-hmm. And we play the wind is, you know, our number one thing is access. Number two is, is wind direction. And when those winds get south of that five miles an hour, they're not consistent. Yeah. And so I love wind speeds of, you know, eight to 12 mm-hmm. um, is what I think is optimal and perfect is it's, probably not going to swirl on you and probably is not going to shift on you at those wind speeds. Um, and it just seems to be more uh, consistent and gives gives us a lot more confidence in the spots that we're going to go to. I think it gives the hunter a lot of confidence because I was having this discussion with um, Chad and Adam the other day too and couldn't agree more on that temperature. I mean, that, that wind variance at 8 to 12 is super solid. But when you get north of 12 it can get super gusty 
And um, I think a lot of deer, especially in areas that have quite a bit of topography change, it, it's just, it's it's way too swirly for them. Like if you're in that yeah. 8 to 12, it's consistent where they yes. know when I'm walking, I can, right. I can scent check all of this and it's coming from this direction. It's like a peace of mind, but it's a peace of mind That's for right. the hunter too. But south of that or well, north the other of it, thing too, the, the other thing too, Adam, that you're, you're kind of sniffing on is when it's 8 to 12, they're not gusts. But when they start getting that 15, 16, 17, 18, they're gusts, well, they can't hear as well. Exactly. You're and taking so another thing watch, away from them. That's right. And so they don't want to move as much, mm-hmm. and they're much more cautious. Very. And they're much more alert. When when you see the wind speeds of, say, 8 to 12, when you watch their body posture, you see deer move with confidence. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's not so slow. Yeah. I noticed that um, when it's high winds, it's those really gusty days, the deer almost do the really slow or really fast. It's like, yeah. I'm going to creep along, I'm going to stop there, and then, boom, I'm going to shoot across yeah. or I'm going to get over there. And their Correct. ears are always moving, twitching back yes. and forth, you know, yeah. trying to pick up all these different sounds and interpret it. Is that wind? Exactly. Is that someone moving in? So what you, is that? Would you rather hunt a, a day that it's windy, 20 mile an hour with 25 mile gust, or a one mile an hour wind, one to three mile an hour wind? Oh, I would do the one to three. <laughs> I would not do that. I think it would. Well, prime t- example, prime example, you know, we went out on Monday night and the wind speeds were 18 to 20. Deercast said good. All the weather was great. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Casey, I said, I don't understand why Deercast is saying good because the wind speed was like 18 to 19 miles an hour. Right. And I said, I just don't, I, I, I don't understand it. Um, you know, they have their formulas and they're tracking so many things that I, I don't sure. know what that all is and how they're waiting them. But that wind speed really had me concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, that night, we it was horrible. I mean, horrible. Yeah. Everything else was good. The pressure was high. Uh, it was like 30.4. Um, mm. the, the, the weather was, I think it was a high of like 56 or 57 degrees. So mm. that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, but the wind speeds were 18 to 20. And we felt it. It was sure. dead. And did you call up Mark and tell him he's a liar? <laughs> uh, actually, I talked to Matt today. He goes, "How was how's Deercast going?" And I said, "It's been pretty good, except for Monday." And he said, "Describe Monday." And I told him. He said, "Yeah, we're you know we're constantly making tweaks." He says, "Good to know." So, you know, I, they're they're constantly trying to make this thing as as good as they can as well. But Another prime example, we went to a really good spot. It wasn't like we were hunting a bad spot. Mm-hmm. It was a really good spot. And we went in there to obviously potentially kill a mature buck. But I'm like, you know what? Towards the last 45 minutes or 30 minutes, if we don't see anything and it's, and it's been dead, we're going to try to harvest the doe because we've got, you know, check the herd and keep things in, in line. Heck, we couldn't even do that. <laughs> what? There wasn't even nothing to shoot. Oh, man. <laughs> which, wow. Which is really, really rare sure. for us. E- even really even on a poor day, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it said good, but we were, you know, the wind speed was so high. So I think it was purely driven by the wind speed because the pressure was good, temp was good, but the wind speed was really high. So, you know, I think when you, you really got to pay attention to a lot of things and and check them and all. And I know everybody only has so many kitchen passes mm-hmm. and everybody wants to go. And this is the time of year to go. And I'm all, trust me, I want to go just as much as I can too. But when the wind speeds are high and the weather's not good and it's hot, you're better off not burning your spots and staying home and, and keeping the, the wife and kids happy. And, you know, 
maximizing your days when the weather turns around. What was that you said before? I think you said on the last podcast, you said it pre-show. Observe more, hunt less, kill more. You got it. Yeah. Good yeah. words right there. And the other thing, too, about about a low wind speed day is get yourself in a blind. And and if the wind's going to be a little swirly, you can have that advantage working towards you, too. Or I use, know you guys hunt out of blinds a lot. thermals to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Get on the yes. side of a hill and let the yep, cold air suck it down. Yes. That's correct. Or over a creek or yep. something where you've got some, you know, uh, you're at top, top of a ridge and you're, and you're, you know, 18, 25 feet up in a tree and, and you've got nothing behind you or yeah, put, put the odds in your favor. But you know, if the weather's really good and it's a low wind speed, I'm still going to go, but I'm going to be smarter where I'm going to go too. Yeah, yeah probably uh, for me, if I see that, I'm probably not taking the one where I have to walk through the timber away where it's no. like it's going to sound like a steamroller going down oh, yeah. going down yeah. through the timber yeah absolutely. for sure well prime example you know we had uh on monday we had no luck and then we woke up and and i'm like casey this is way too hot he goes what do you want to do and i said i think it's a waste of time but i said here's another day of wind speed's going to be 18 to 22 mile an hour gusts and he goes what are you thinking and i said i think it's time for us to go start moving blinds around and get ready for missouri gun season because uh with covid derek's uh doing virtual school so mm-hmm. he called me said hey can i come down because i can do school from eight to noon and i'll hunt in the afternoon there you I'm go like, heck yeah I, yeah you know because uh usually he can't come because his, his school schedule is too hefty now but with virtual so i'm like okay we're gonna get two more spots figured out and so we're out screwing around uh moving moving stands and trimming cedar trees for a new exit and entry spot and i'm talking making all kinds of noise and it's you know 20 22 mile an hour winds covering lots of sound yeah covering lots of sound and the winds in our favor we come out from cutting all these trees on exact on this uh uh exit and entry spot and there's two does on our plot (laughs) they had no idea we're there not a clue that's funny so i'm like all right we made the right call Mm -hmm. you know because our whole wind speed was was covering what we were doing. I think I think there's a lot of that. I think Adam, you said it pre-show. A lot of people are just looking at calendar days, yeah, rather than still focusing on weather at this time of the year. And um, people man, are it, hunting more from calendar days versus weather conditions. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it's November fifth. Gotta go. Or it's my favorite day. It's November 7th. I gotta go. And, and don't get me wrong. There's people who are killing deer right now. And deer, yeah. deer are dying. It, I mean, it's still happening because a lot of people, are one, are in the woods. Um, and deer are still rutting. But it's still not at the intensity. And there's still better days to come and better weather conditions to come. The percentage well, of success I, but, is lower. But mm-hmm. let me ask you a question. On the pictures you're seeing... Um, are they three-year-olds and younger, or are they four-year-olds and older? A lot of the daylight stuff is certainly younger deer. Well, you're talking about harvest photos or yeah, trail Yeah, the camp. ones that you're saying oh, you're yeah. still seeing people kill deer. Are oh, you know, it's a mixed deer? bag. Yeah, a it's mix. a mixed bag, yeah. A mix. Is yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the thing about cellular cameras. For better or worse, whatever people's of opinion are of them, when you look at it from a from a standpoint of calculating and understanding deer patterns, it's I find it remarkable how just this year, this is the first year I've really ran more on my family farm and the, and the lease property where 
you know, we have a, 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 a wide variety of habitat types and you can see a direct correlation between deer daylight activity and thick cover. Mm-hmm, it's just sure. like, well, today, today, this morning, the conditions aren't great. They haven't been great last couple of days. We still had daylight photos of a four and a half year old buck, but oddly enough, it's in the thickest, one of the thickest mm-hmm. ridges on the farm. And it was eight thirty in the morning. It's like, he was standing in the cover. I snuck a, a camera back there, and he was in the cover. It wasn't like he was out in a food plot. And I think that's where, if if you're really going to have to, if you know you've taken your vacation and and it's the first week of November, and you're like, how can I be most successful? Is I'm going to be pushing in close to bedding well, or thickets, trying to get uh, in a better my chances of catching during daylight. And that's a good point. Is like if you are hunting now and weather conditions are poor it's then forcing you to most likely be even more aggressive than what you should be yeah because you have to if not you're not even going to be in the ball game yeah you're right guys so you can't keep those stands fresh but and it's yeah if if you you gotta go then i would be going deep into the timber and and if you know where these guys are are betting then i would Mm -hmm. you know get within you know, 100, 150 yards, 100 yards, 75 yards from where you think he's he's bedded and sit until, you know, 10, 30, 11 when it gets really warm and, and then get out. Yeah. Because it's, you know, but you're right, you know, absolutely right. If you're if you've got to go and you have to go and you've got these vacation schedule and you can't move them, then the timber is the only place to go or, or somewhere where it's good cover. Yeah, totally. Well, I know a, a lot of people – Love the decoying podcast. Casey killed this buck over a decoy. Any any cool uh, pointers or tips or or, or strategies? Well, I want to hear the story them? too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let, let's let's hear a story. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Casey now is has he is carrying the decoy bandwagon flag as high as I'm carrying it. Now. <laughs> um, so he's asking me every day, well, you know, we're we gonna do this or we not and you know, I'm like, well, now I, when, when we go in there, uh, if, if we both have tags in our pocket, the deer dictates who shoots. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, Casey, this is just as much your hunted as mine. I said, I want, you know, to hear your input. I don't want to do something that you're really against if, if you're really, you know, don't want to do it. And he said, well, it's up to me. We're decoying. I said, there you have it. Let's do this. <laughs> so he, he's, he's, he's all in on that. So we, uh, you know what? What I have what I have learned on this trip this fall, which is to backtrack to to make sure uh, I, I paint the picture right. Every single food plot that we created um, over the years, we went back and we made sure that every single plot had a scrape tree in it, and we put those scrape trees eighteen to twenty five yards from our setup. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, when we did all those, I never once thought of a decoy setup when we put them. So we put them in the most optimal position for a scrape. Uh-huh. Yep. Th- then I show up with a decoy and I get out there and I'm like, Wait this is not good because we've got too much. Uh, I, I felt like we were crowding them, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to make some adjustments going into next year uh, based on those scrape trees because I want those there, you know, 
uh, in those plots for obvious reasons, because the decoying is only a, you know, two and a half, three week period where it's effective, in my opinion. So it's the long term game that we want the scrape trees in. But so I really had to make some adjustments and put them in very uh, not so smart positions that I wouldn't do normally, Mm -hmm. uh, purely to give them enough space from the scrape trees to give them comfort to move around and, and allow them to have ex- exits if, if you ever sure. notice if a deer doesn't feel comfortable and he's very tight he just won't come in yeah just like a they tom turkey like... in the spring you can't mm-hmm. crunch him in yeah. you can't crowd them. you can't you can't because if you feel like you're crowding them they're just not going to come they're not going to commit yeah and so we put this one uh about uh probably 15 16 yards away from the scrape tree and then really in a very tough position to shoot him but i i I figured he was going to come between the scrape tree and the decoy which then would put him in front of the blind and that's that's exactly what happened um oh well he started coming that way and then he went to the to the downwind side of him which put him in more of a difficult spot for casey to shoot him and so if you go to deer cast drew outdoors deer cast and go to the to the video watch the hunt you will see us basically have a a circus inside that blind because that deer had us all twisted in knots because of the angle that he came in. And then, uh, he came down wind of them on the back side of them and he stood, uh, basically frontal and he moved just a little bit. And then Casey went the full draw and I, I stopped watching it on the video that night and he held that draw for one minute and 11 seconds. Ooh, wow. Yeah. And that's, that's a long a, and time. He, that's a long time. And, you know, we're pulling 72 pounds. Mm-hmm. And so when I was filming this, I was like, this is not good. And I was <laughs> trying to watch him out of, out of my corner of my eye. And you could see that, you know, a minute, I was like, this has got to be a minute. <laughs> 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 and and I'm like, how long is it? It's a, literally a standoff. I yeah. Mean, the, 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 the buck had no clue we were there. He just could not figure out that buck decoy sure. and it was just bothering him, but he wasn't, he wasn't uh, going to leave the situation. And finally he stepped and Casey wasted no time and, and thread the needle perfectly. And he rolled up in the plot, but uh, to go back to your question, Matt, once that buck, uh, there was uh a spike buck on uh, it was a Ma- mossy oak uh, a brassica maxima field which has uh, sugar bulbs and uh, uh, beets in it and he came out there's uh, three or four does a spike buck and this buck came in the far uh, far corner and he came out looked at the spike buck looked at the does and he was eating away didn't really notice the uh, the decoy at all and then was chewing away, and then he looked. He was on the plot for maybe, I don't know, five or six, seven seconds, uh, and looked at that decoy, and the minute he saw that decoy, he literally walked on a string. Mm, total, right to total like, posture change and everything. 100%. Yep, he came from, we'll call it, a cool 85 to 100 yards away. Mm, wow. Walked right on a string. Right hmm. to him. Bristle up, ears back, oh, all everything. Of all of it. Yep. Put on a show like you always want to see. Awesome. I How far that. did you run after the shot? Uh, maybe 60 yards. Nice. Maybe. Well, broadhead. Yeah. Uh, tripan. Ridge, ridge oh. tripan. 
Gotcha. Swallowed double yep. lung or heart? Double lung. Yep. Smoked him. Mm. Moment of truth. I, I know it. Yeah, after holding that long and still delivering that that kind of shot, that's awesome. That's what I told him. I said, holy buckets, tough guy. Uh, (laughs) You know, I looked and we got done and shut the cameras down. I said, you realize that was over a minute? He goes, yeah. I felt every second of it. (laughs) You know, and I don't know how long he could hold it. I don't know, but Uh, he was sure glad to cut it loose. I I was getting nervous. Yeah. Like, I don't know how long this is going to go because he was, if, I don't think, well, I know we didn't range him, but, but the decoy was at 18. Mm Mm-hmm. And that buck was right on his backside. So he's gotcha. he's either he's either seventeen, yep, eighteen yards. So he's really close. And I knew if Casey let down, you know how that arrow goes across the arrow rest. Oh, sure. I have no doubt that 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 deer is going to hear it because he was so close. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and it it wouldn't happen. So yeah. he had no choice but to hold it. Oh man, I love it. So it was fun. Th- those nights are fun. You know, yeah. it the. But my footage, because obviously I was running the camera, when he shoots him and he starts running away, my heart was pumping so bad that my camera, the camera was on my chest, and you could see the the lens go up and down with my heartbeat because <laughs> I was so jacked up. Oh. They were so close into it, and I was just waiting for this thing to go, you know, have a bad ending to a good story. Yeah, and and uh, we're lucky enough that it didn't. So Casey oh, did a fabulous job of holding it back and after a minute one second or minute 11 seconds of holding it putting an absolutely 10 ring shot on him so kudos to him no mm. no doubt and 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 that's what makes it fun when you're when you do hunt with someone else like now you have that memory with someone else you can always go back and relive it but you were just as excited as Casey was I'm sure and and, and the video shows it oh yeah we cracked up when we had edit goes dude I go I go Casey I apologize that when he Everything was perfect until he ran away and he ran away and he, you know, piled up at called 85, 90 yards away from us. And as you know, the farther they go away, you got to zoom and and Uh magnifies every movement you make. And my heart rate was so high that the dang lens was going around like a freaking ping pong. It it was horrible to watch. So he he was cracking up, but you know, we got the most important stuff. That's the real stuff right there though. That's what I love. Casey's like, I held it solid on a 233, and you can't even hold it still on a 154. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's true. It's true. That's awesome. You know, the minute you don't get excited, the minute we should all hang it up. That's that's so right. That now, is so right. While we're all talking decoys, um, I think it's a good time, too, if they didn't catch the other two podcasts how can they find you on social media and, I, and i'll explain that why whenever you say your handle on instagram specifically sure uh it's greg g-r-e-g uh underscore glessinger g-l-e-s-i-n-g-e-r uh at jury outdoors okay so you shared a video of a really really nice buck coming in and absolutely demolishing the decoy <sighs> Yeah. And it's just something, you know, they if got my blood pumping. If I'm you're just thinking about video. decoying, this will get you going. I want <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> and uh and then you posted a picture, I believe it might have been on your story, but did I see a POV camera mounted a, That was a video. Okay. Oh, yeah. it was. Yep. yep. That was a video. Yeah. We're yeah, on the yeah. forehead of a decoy. Yeah. That was neat too. 
Yeah, and the yeah. deer is like, he got a flashlight on his head." <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. We we uh, I wish we would have had that for uh, for Casey's because of the footage we would have got. And that's what came out of it. Is you know we're we're lucky enough to be uh, have a wonderful partner in in Tacticam, mm-hmm. and with their point of view cameras on the Tacticam five O's, they have a remote and uh we uh, put some velcro and basically jerry jerry rigged um up the system that casey and i demised in our garage and um put it right between his antlers and there's been no no signs or evidence that that is spooking them yet sure and so we're getting some pretty cool footage you know within 10 or 15 yards that we can't capture you know being in a tree or in a blind from that angle so if this stuff continues and we get some more action um there's gonna be some pretty amazing footage i just told him i said if we ever get one like we did a couple years ago we came up and just blows up the decoy i said you know there goes you know 400 bucks um because that thing's (laughs) gonna get lost in the air and probably stepped on but who knows but it's uh it's some pretty cool stuff if you want to go to my instagram page and from through it you'll you'll find it it's some pretty neat footage mm. man oh man i i can't wait to see the see the hunt unfold yeah you know C- casey um held it together really well and um once again this time of the year if you don't have a decoy uh it is by far my number one go-to this time of year mm. and unless there's a good reason why we're not going to take it um uh, someone's going to have to talk me out of it because yeah. <laughs> uh, it just seems to work a lot. Now, there are some downsides of it. We've had a lot of, uh, even last week when we were, we were taking it every day, uh, we had a lot of does, you know, blowing on it and not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept looking at Casey. I said, well, I'm not I'm not hunting a doe, so I really don't care. Well, uh, you know. And and were they, were they blowing at it, like, audibly? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For okay. Sure. Yeah. I no, mean, no honestly, question. I, I've, unless it's a really like blatant, they're blowing and then darting, getting the heck out of there. Honestly, from a buck standpoint, it's, it's almost like, well, I know there's does over there. Let me go check Those it out. Those things blow like, at everything. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, there's coyotes. There's I don't bobcat. get worried about yeah. hearing a deer blow that much unless it's just a really downright aggressive one and there's, they're visually spooking other deer off. That, or that's not or they circle feeling. downwind and they're trying to like that trying right to there? set me. And right. then that's when you take the thumb out, just like on Gladiator, <laughs> yeah. and do a big thumbs down and say killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the other other than that, it, it's it, at this time of the year. Um, I've had bucks come into a deer that's blown at me before. Um, so you know, someone might say, "Oh my gosh, that's bad," but really. Probably Ride not, it out. Not, right, Ride it yeah, out. Not all that bad. How? What's the last day? I, I know we talked about this on the Decoin podcast, but for, for people that haven't listened to that one, what's the last day that you're thinking about, you know, when you're looking at the calendar, you're like, I don't really use a decoy past November. What's that day? You know, it's it's around that, that 12th, 13th, you know, somewhere in that, that gotcha. vicinity, you know, is when I usually put it away and, and um, you know, just don't really bring it out anymore i know some guys do uh i just i just haven't i'm not saying it's a bad idea mm-hmm. uh what well, we we really push it really hard that last week call it the 
the 25th of October through the, you know, 12th or 13th of November. And we were, I was actually uh, having some conversations with some guys, you know, they, they asked me about buck decoys and they said, do I do much doe decoys? And, you know, I, I haven't. And um, I know a lot of guys have luck with those as well. Um, I just, I haven't had those experiences. And if you, if you are a, a doe decoy guy, and it's worked for you, then, you know, stick with it. Sure. Um, you know, uh, but every time I've brought the doe decoys, we just haven't had the luck like we had with, with bucks. You know, when, when you see a, uh, a mature buck and we're, we're only chasing, you know, we try to shoot five-year-olds and older. And w- when you watch a food plot destination field and you see a mature buck hit the field, they, more often than not, they'll get downwind of, of the does this time of the year, but and they sometimes really don't truly scent check them, as in really get in their face. Um, they're more or less on the plot and they're watching and observing, and they may scent you know scent check a few, but they don't scent check every single doe like a two or three year old buck does. You know, mm-hmm. a two or three year old they'll they'll run their head ragged chasing every single doe on the plot, but when you see mature bucks come out, how often do they go to every single buck? Yeah. More often than not. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm playing off of that mental demeanor sure. of them, you know, going, Hey, this is a new guy. What's his story. I need to go check him out. Yeah. And it's for the past decade, it's been proven over and over and over. And so when he stands his ground. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And sometimes, like this one that Casey killed, he put his ears back and bristled up probably 50, 60 yards away. Hmm. And sometimes, you know, those other bucks, if he's not a decoy, obviously, if he's a live deer, um, they'll they'll move and they'll they'll get out of his way. You know, right. they'll see him coming and they'll push off to another another section of the of the plot. Well, when he doesn't move, now he starts sidestepping. It, he, that deer changes the demeanor really quickly. Like, okay, here, um, my ears are back. I'm postured up. I'm coming at you. What's your play? And he doesn't move. Then all of a sudden, more often than not, you see him get more aggressive and start doing kind of that sidestep mm. move. I don't know if you know yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, it's it's go time. He's he's as good as dead if if we can get a you know broadside or quartering away shot. So. Um, I absolutely love the Bucks decoys. I am not as much fan as as, as those, um, mm-hmm. but that's my experiences. Awesome. Perfect. Well, man, I think that pretty well covers what we wanted to hit. I know it's uh, it's always great chatting with you, and it's always great hearing your strategies and seeing what we what we can learn and apply to how we're hunting down here in the Ozark Mountains and everywhere else where everyone else is hunting that and traveling other there's there's been a lot of people we've been getting a lot of text of clients harvesting and, and listeners so <clears> we appreciate that um interaction with everyone That's i had fun. A, i had several pictures people send me going oh, i'm trying this decoy thing out uh-huh yep yep so you, oh you, really oh, oh yeah. yeah oh yeah there's a couple guys uh up close to you that were like well this is the podcast and here it is and it's just like well I, I hope it works for you yep yeah for sure no yeah. doubt. You know, another tip too, if they didn't kiss the last podcast is, um, we're lucky enough to have nose jammer as a, 
as a partner as well. And I will spray the bottom of my boots uh, before I go out in the plot to cover my scent um, because obviously they're they're not exactly easy to uh, set up. So sure. yeah, uh, try to mask that scent because you're only looking for you know a two or three second period if he's going to give you that shot to zip it through. But the longer they stay there and the longer they're curious, the more off there's a chance that he's going to blow and catch something that he doesn't like. Yeah, definitely. So awesome. try to cover that, you know, your food, your boot tracks the best you can. And Nose Jammer is a great product to do that with. Sure. Awesome. Well, best of luck to you guys going back out um, in the coming weeks. I'm, I'm excited. Next that week we get that cold front. I know it. you guys will be out. I'm excited Derek can get down there with you guys. That'll be fun. Yeah, it will be. We uh, we actually we've uh, we've got uh, Josh Hader. I don't know if you guys oh, remember yeah. him. He, mm-hmm. He's a major league pitcher. Yep. Uh, reliever of the year last year. Plays for the Brewers. Uh, he's coming to camp for cool. gun season. Yeah. So he is uh, uh, beyond excited. The fact that uh, I think his largest deer is 110 inches. I think huh. he said as I talked to him the other night. He said, "No pressure, Greg." I said, I can't throw a fastball like you, but I can sure set you up, but it's going to be go. up to you whether you execute or miss. I said, so the pressure's <laughs> going to be on you. Oh, um, awesome. So it was kind of fun. So we're looking forward to the next uh, couple of weeks. We've got a lot of really mature deer that uh, are calling our farm home, and hopefully that uh, we tip a few over for Derek and Josh and myself and Casey. It should be fun. Awesome. Well, keep us posted, man. We'll have, to get, we'll have to do another podcast after that week. I'm sure we'll yeah. have some success to share there. Yeah, look forward to it, guys. Sounds good. We'll see you next week. Yeah.